Before him, there will be a 
Stay standing as we read the Gospel of Luke together. I'll read the description of what happened and what Jesus did. Then we'll read Jesus' words together. When we get to words in italics and marked all, please say those words together. This is Luke 6, 17 through 26. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. 
Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who hunger now. Blessed are you who weep now. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are well fed now. Woe to you who laugh now. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, you came and you healed all kinds of people and got rid of demonic power. And you taught us what a truly good and full life is. We pray for blessing, but not like how people who hated you prayed for it. We pray for blessing the way you prayed for it. We embrace our poverty, our needs, our sadness, our not being liked. We trust you when you say that these are part of a truly blessed life. And as we stay with you, Jesus, as radical as it might sound, that we don't trust wealth, we don't trust the abundances of food and resources, not even laughter and popularity, because we know this is the life of false prophets and people who are not one with you. We remember how you came to us, Jesus. You had, a, you had poor parents. You lived a life of fasting. You embraced being shamed and left out and people thinking your life wasn't important. You are our Lord, our teacher, our master. We receive your true life, your true peace together. Amen. Since we receive the peace of Christ, we do a proclamation every Sunday that's very short. And we just say, peace of Christ to you. And saying this is not like saying, God bless you after you sneeze, but it is actually affirming that the peace of Christ is with us. So please turn around and say to one another, peace of Christ to you. All right, good morning. It's so good to see all of you. Welcome. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're with us, uh, especially to any of you who are newcomers. We're so glad you're with us. We'd love for you to stick around and for everybody to have a chance to stick around after the service and just get to know each other better. We do just want to share a few things that are going on in the life of our church. Um, we want to uh, just continue to mention, remind us all, every Tuesdays uh, we have prayer meeting on Zoom. Uh, it's there for you to come join. It's just a great time uh, to be re-energized and focused on Christ, but it's also really important 
as uh, followers of Christ. We believe prayer is one of the primary work uh, uh, that we can do as believers. And so uh, we just really invite you, when you can make time, just come on on and intercede on behalf of our communities, on behalf of people. And so uh, you can join us Tuesday at 8 p.m., um, and you can find that on our website uh, to join there. Um, also, just want to let you know we are having a uh, class on fruitful parenting. Um, and so it's going to happen this Saturday, December 9th. Um, we're going to be meeting at Arlington Community Church at 10, 10 a.m. And the idea is to explore like how we can focus our time and energies on Jesus as we parent. Uh, we all know that it can be challenging uh, to do that as parents. Um, and so this isn't about like having the right answer. So if you were looking for like, just tell me what to do and I can go home happy, sorry, that doesn't really exist, but it's more of a chime to come together, have a dialogue, share together, how are we doing this well? How are we struggling with this? And to learn from one another um, as we do that. Uh, these times in the past have been very helpful for those who have gone as we learn from each other uh, and can encourage each other as well. Uh, sometimes it feels like we're the only ones who are struggling with these things. So if uh, you're in that, uh, if you have kids and you'd like to learn more about this, we'd love for you to be there. Also, coffee and snacks will be provided. Um, and child care is not provided, but you can also feel free to invite your friends. Uh, we're also doing uh, something called uh, Rhythms of Grace. Uh, this is kind of like often throughout history, people have done spiritual disciplines, uh, ways to follow God that will help us to follow God, and we're calling those Rhythms of Grace. Uh, this time, we're going to be talking about like quiet time, which is usually what we refer to as like spending time with God. Uh, and we're going to look at like, what does that mean? What does it look like? Does it even have to be quiet? Uh, and so we're going to be looking at Pastor Carl's going to be doing that on Zoom. Uh, I believe that is tonight at seven. Um, and so you can uh, find that also. You can sign up through our website uh, to let you know we're coming, but it is on Zoom. And so you'll get a link when you sign up through the website as well for that. We're also going to be starting a class called First Things. This is a group uh, for people who are newer to uh, Jesus, to church in general. This is really designed for people who are like, I don't even know what we're talking about, and I don't know who to ask because everybody else seems to like know everything that's happening. This is a great time to be in a group of people who are in the same kind of place of just like, hey, I don't understand. Can you answer these very simple questions for me uh, that I don't understand? And... Uh, it's just kind of a trying to come together, safe, warm, fun place to ask those questions and learn more about, like, who are Christians? What does it mean? What does the church mean? All that kind of stuff. And we're going to be meeting over six weeks in December and January, and it starts next weekend. Um, so, again, if you are in that place, we'd love for you to sign up. Also, if you're not in that place but you know somebody, a friend or family member who maybe that sounds like, oh, they could really benefit from that, we want to encourage you to invite them to that as well. Um, also, uh, we have our Bailey's Crossroads information event. So we had a couple weekends, or almost a month ago now, I guess, uh, we had our missions week where we had uh, missionaries in here. They were talking to us. But we also had our uh, Grace and Daniel Dees who were sharing with us about what's going on in Bailey's Crossroads. And many of you actually signed up saying, hey, I'm interested in learning more about what we're doing in Bailey's Crossroads. In case uh, you're not aware of that, Bailey's Crossroads is just a neighborhood not very far from here. Um, with a lot of immigrant population. And so we're actually trying to see, like, hey, what can we do to bless this community? Um, and so um, December 10th, uh, at, there's a chance for you to come and uh, around 5, have dinner, uh, learn more about the opportunities that you could have to be involved in that, different levels of 
commitments are all a part of that and also learn a bit more about what life would be like for immigrants that are coming. Um, if you're interested, please email Daniel or Grace these by December 6th uh, so that they can prepare the food and all of that. Uh, we also have another opportunity to serve, um, uh, even more so for our Arlington site, but even for us to be aware of, Alexandria Shelter. Uh, we're going to be preparing and serving the evening meal for the homeless at the Carpenter Shelter in, in Alexandria on Saturday evening, December 16th. If you would like to volunteer, you can sign up on the website as well. Uh, we also just want to thank everyone. We, for the last month, we were raising money to go to the uh, Cambodia Medical Project that we were doing. If you remember, uh, the partners that we have there on site all the time are partnered with the Provincial uh, Hospital in Stung Tren, and they didn't have working uh, like bathroom facilities for the hospital for the patients, and so we were raising money for that. And so over the last month, we were able to raise about $12,000, and the church was able to pitch in another $10,000, so we were able to raise about $22,000 to help for that project, and that will go a long way to helping them complete uh, complete that. You can still continue to give to that. I think they needed about $40,000 overall to be finished, uh, and so uh, you can give that. But thank you so much for people who gave to that. Um, in a minute, we'll do the offering, but I think the next, if we have this slide, I don't know if we have one. Today, we actually have something different happening. Just want to let you know about that. Um, we have our emergency evacuation practice, which is today after the service. Uh, again, we've been mentioning this last couple of weeks, so we're kind of kind of finish up most of the service, and then we'll get back up and explain to you exactly what that looks like and exactly what we're doing, and we'll kind of do that together. Um, the governing board has asked us to do this. This is more just in a way to kind of just be prepared so that if, God forbid, anything did happen like this, that we would at least know what are we supposed to do in this situation. And so uh, please stick around for that, be a part of that, uh, even though most of the service will be over, and then we'll kind of dismiss everyone out by the field where we will all end up uh, and then you can kind of come back in here and mingle and stuff as well. Uh, but that is going to be happening um, after the service. So at this time, uh, we're going to pray for our offering. We do not actually take up a physical offering. We do that online, but we believe that our offering is an act of worship. And so we love to take a moment to pray over that and for our service. Uh, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you and praise you for all the ways that you provide for us, all the ways that you look after us, all the ways that uh, you've loved on us. We thank you that everything we have is from you and everything we have belongs to you. And as we give back to you, we do so cheerfully grateful for all the ways that we can join you in your kingdom work. We ask that you would multiply um, the gifts that we're able to give for the sake of your kingdom. Uh, we also just ask today, God, would your spirit be with us, would your peace, would your presence, would your love and your joy be upon us? Would you anoint Pastor Steve as he preaches would you give us ears to hear what you long to say to us this morning? Help us to just come to your feet and encounter you this moment. We thank you and we praise you, O oh God. Amen. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Um, I'm going to sit because uh, I haven't, I'm having some foot issues. I know I sound old. I'm not that old, and I'm healthy, relatively speaking, but uh, my foot is giving me some problems, so I'm going to sit. Is that, is that okay? Hopefully no one's uh, stumbled or, any, or any, no one leaves the church or anything like that, um, but I'm going to sit. Oh, yes, okay. <laughs> Maybe I should do this every Sunday, actually. It feels nice. Um, before I jump into our passage today, I want to uh, give you an update, church, uh, of uh, the decisions that 
our elders made actually coming out of um, the decisions that our denomination made regarding church polity, church governance, and women in ministry, and how that's been uh, been playing out at our church community. Um, beginning of this year, or, or mid-May, or May, uh, our denomination had what we call a council, uh, and that's basically a gathering of uh, official workers, uh, pastors, church leaders of, of local churches in the alliance. Uh, we do this every other year, and so we've gathered um, that this past May, and at the council, it was voted on, um, well, there's several things that were voted on, um, and just wanted to let you know that the church, the national leaders took probably, I want to say about four years to pray and discuss and study and, and had multiple discussions all, all over the nation, actually, and um, this past May, they, they made three decisions, and so uh, first decision was uh, that the council decided by vote to retain male eldership, and so what that means is at at every Alliance church, the lead pastor or the senior pastor uh, and the elders uh, will be men. And that's the same, that's how it has been and that will continue. Um, number two, the council decided to vote to move uh, from our previous system of ordaining men and consecrating women. Uh, they decided to ordain men and women, um, people who are qualified, people who are called to, to ministry. And then number three, it was decided that the denomination uh, give each local church the authority to provide a title pastor to both men and women um, based on their qualifications and their giftings and their calling. So this is the, the third decision um, sort of propelled our church leadership, our elders to come together to kind of study and, and think about um, how we should pursue pursue this. And so we spent... Uh, over the summer, uh, three long meetings, um, kind of studying passages, praying, discussing. And out of that, uh, we made a decision where in our church context, where we are, um, we wanted to provide both men and women who are qualified, gifted, who are called by our church leadership to have the title pastor. And so though practically what that means is Erica Thornton, uh, who's been with us since 2018, and her previous title was... Uh, I'm going to butcher this, but it's like, it was like Minister of Families and Children or something like that. Uh, we, she now has a title uh, of Families and Children's Pastor. And so um, we, we, uh, we um, Erica has been ordained by the Alliance. Uh, we as church body and especially church leadership um, want to affirm our giftings and our calling to be here to serve, serve us and to lead us. And so... Practically, that's, that's what's uh, taking place. Um, just kind of looking at our church, knowing our church, you know, many of us are from different church backgrounds, right? Some of us grew up in the Presbyterian church, or uh, we have a Baptist bent, or, or more, more even like independent or charismatic background. And typically, that's how churches are. There are people with just different backgrounds. And so what that means is we have different views on on various things, including women in ministry and church governance and church leadership. And that's okay. Uh, we can still be together, be one body, holding different views. And when the elders got together to kind of talk about this and pray about this, uh, we, I mean, we just kind of recognized that some of us differed on certain passages and certain views, and we just said, this is okay. 
um, functionally, nothing's changed. You know, we are, as collective bodies, still pursuing to make disciples who are committed to Christ, His community, and His cause. Uh, we are still pursuing after or wanting to see people uh, finding new life in Christ, experiencing God and pursuing Him and being changed, being part of the body and being on mission with Him. So functionally, nothing has really changed. However, uh, since this decision was made in uh, September at our members' meeting, we had four families leave us. And that was hard. <laughs> it was sad. Personally, I was um, just, more than anything else, just sad that, that they, they're, uh, they left. And these families were, I would say, um, very consistent. They were here every Sunday participating in our church body. They gave faithfully. Um, they served in, in, in so many ways. And so I and some of us here, our youth as well, because you lost some of your friends, right? We, like, we missed them. Um, but their conviction was that this was a primary issue for them. Uh, our denomination and our church believe that, I mean, this is an important issue. It is. And that's why we spend so much time thinking about it in a, in a denominational level as well as local church level. It's, it's an important um, issue, but it's not essential to our faith in Christ. And so we can have various views on this and some other things and still be one in Christ and pursue God together. And so that's where our church leaders, uh, elders landed. Um, I guess on that note, I just want to encourage us to be in prayer for this local church. You know, this Tyson site's been around now, I want to say about eight years um, yeah, you know, when we started the site, um, many when, you know, we, it was launched from our Arlington site. And when we launched this site, um, I would say, you know, a lot of people weren't happy. <laughs> you know, like we weren't a big church. And, you know, I think some people felt like, aren't we like dividing the church? And aren't we like, you know, why are we doing this? And, you know, I personally felt like as the lead pastor of this church, this is something that God had placed in my heart, and I wanted to see this happen. And it's been eight years, and it's been an amazing journey. I and mean, we had three years of COVID in, in the middle. <laughs> but through all of that, you know, God's been so good and so faithful. We've grown in many different ways, not just size, but just resources and staff. And, and because I think partly because we started the Tyson site. And so I have no doubt that God is something beautiful for us, and I want to pursue that with you. Um, I just want to say thank you for those of you who are here, uh, who come here uh, regularly, and you worship here. Uh, thank you for those of you who've been here for a long time, as well as those of you who are new, or relatively new. We're so glad you're here with us. And so um, yeah, I want to encourage us to be in prayer for uh, our church here at Tyson's. Uh, it's been a challenging season. Uh, but we know that, you know, God's good and God's sovereign. And so it's often through uh, challenge, challenging times and seasons in our life, both as a church and personally, that we grow and, and we get stretched and we, we learn to trust in God more. And so um, if you have any questions, yeah, please let me know. You could reach out to one of our elders. Um, uh, if you want to ask about um, the process that we took. We, we do have a positional paper that, we, that our elders kind of produced that we passed out to our members, and we could share that with you, with any of you, actually, as well. So uh, on that note, uh, let's pray together. Is that all right? And then uh, I'll start uh, our passage. Let's pray. Your God, thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Uh, thank you that, that there's diversity here, um, both uh, 
racially, uh, socioeconomically, uh, and life stage, uh, and diversity allows us to not be comfortable uh, that, that we, we think about others and we sacrifice. And so thank you for just your, yeah, your goodness and how you are putting this uh, Tyson's congregation together. Uh, we, we are so thankful. Uh, we look forward to what you have for us, and we pray that you would lead us uh, and you would guide us. Lord, we want to be salt and light here. We feel like you've called us to, to be that and do that here. And so as we even continue to pursue after your calling for us, we just ask for more of your grace and more of your presence with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks so much. Um, we're going to, as our presider talked about, we're in the Advent season, and Advent meaning coming or arrival, and we celebrate two Advents, right? One is um, the, the first Advent was when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and we reflect on that, and we, we're, and we celebrate that, and we give thanks to God. And we also look forward to a second coming that's been promised in scriptures, and as we think about what that would be like, we long for his presence in anticipation. And so that's the, the, the season that we're in. This season, we're going to be looking at um, the, the, pro- the Old Testament prophets, because the Old Testament prophets often... Uh, talked about Jesus' coming, both his first coming and second coming. Uh, we don't have much information about the, the, the world, how the world will be like when Jesus comes back, his second coming. What we do know is in the book of Revelation, we have some pictures of that. But what we have, actually, it's a, a, a significant portion of what we know about his ultimate coming, second coming, is from the prophets. And so we're going to look at three um, prophets uh, section to kind of think about and talk about what that would look like. And then we're going to just try to apply this together as a congregation. Okay, so if you have your Bibles with you, your devices, please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. And as you're turning to that section, again, wait till the end, and we're going to try to apply this passage together as a church body. Okay, Isaiah 58. We'll... We'll read, we'll read portions, we'll talk about it, and then along the way, I will make three points for us. Okay, Isaiah 58. It says, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. We're going to pause there. So this is the context. It's God telling his prophet Isaiah to make this declaration. But immediately we get a sense the the seriousness of what God wants to say. He says, cry aloud, do not hold back, lift your voice like a trumpet. A trumpet was an instrument that was used to get the attention of people. Uh, It's something like the, the fire alarm going off. You stop everything and pay attention to what what the message is, right? And that's what God here is saying. He's saying, Isaiah, speak with, with power and allow people's heart to be stirred because this message is important, right? And so there is sense of urgency, sense of seriousness from God. So what's the message? He says, declare to my people their transgression to the house of Jacob their sin. So the message, this urgent message is about their sin and their transgression. Verse 2, 
Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? We'll, we'll pause there. Who are these people that are sinning that, that's causing God to be extremely uh, upset? Surprisingly, it's people who are seeking him daily. <laughs> Do you see this? Verse 2, yet they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways. Uh, they were a nation that, that did righteousness as, as if they were a nation. So these people that God is talking to are people who are doing, I think we could say, good things. When the Old Testament talks about seeking God, it's usually talking about people going to the temple to seek God, to worship God. So here, people are worshiping God. Um, and when you read down verse 3, they're even fasting, right? Um, they're doing the religious things that God had asked them to do. They're seeking God in prayer. They're reading scripture. Um, they're drawing near to God, or they're trying to draw near to God. They're fasting. I mean, these things are things that God calls his people to do. So this is what they're doing, and yet God says, you are in sin. And so the question is, what's the problem? Where is their sin? Verse 3, uh, second part of verse 3. Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, your fast, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? Uh, is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? So pause there. I want to point out uh, three important reasons why God takes their sin so seriously even though they are fulfilling their religious obligations. Okay? Number one, these are really quick points. One, their outward worship did not match their inner worship. See, they were doing, outwardly, they were worshiping God. Uh, but inwardly, they were really worshiping themselves. And that's what verse 3 says, where they're fasting, but God says, you're fasting for your own pleasure. Another translation is for your own business. Uh, you, you really have no intention to, like, seek me and honor me at the end. I think we could say they're perhaps kind of using religion even fasting, to get something for themselves at the end. And I think if we can distinguish religion and Christian faith, maybe that's a good way to distinguish the, the two. Religion is you do something for God so that God will do something for you. Christian faith is we recognize that we can't do anything for God, but God showed grace and mercy. And so we respond. The goal is to honor God and to love God and not to love ourselves. 
I think as Christians, those of us who've been to church for a long time, this is passages like this, we can't just gloss over, right? We've got to kind of sit with this for a while. Because, I don't know, this could be me, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't fast that often. Um, I just admit it. Fasting is hard, <laughs> you know? It gives me headaches, and man, it's like, uh, but I, I mean, but I've fasted before, you know, for a long, long period of time. Um, we worship. We come weekly to worship. We're seeking God with prayer. So is God saying these things are not good things? No, that's not what God is saying. But what God is saying is, Unless you're really careful and intentional, our outward worship, like our um, acts of religious activities, can actually be done without a heart that genuinely loves and longs for God. Like it could be disconnect, there could be disconnect. And if you read the New Testament, out of all the sins that Jesus talks about, this might be the sin that Jesus gets most upset about. He talks to the religious leaders, right? This is from Matthew chapter 23, verse 25. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. The first reason why God's upset is their outward worship did not match their inner worship. Second reason is their vertical religion had absolutely no connection to their horizontal relationship. Let me repeat that. Their vertical religion had absolutely no connection to their horizontal relationship. Vertically, they're fasting, but horizontally, they're fighting. Vertically, they're worshiping God, but horizontally, they're oppressing the workers. Like, how do we know? So the question that I asked myself is, how do we know, how do I know if my religion, my religious activities are not hypocritical? Like, how do I know that my religious activities of fasting and worship and prayer and reading scripture pleases God? I think what we would say here is, it pleases God if your worship, it's genuine. If your worship of God is seen in your relationship with other people, that's how you know. John 4, 1 John chapter 4, uh, the writer of John, disciple John, he says this. He says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, in verse 6, God says, here's the fast that I de desire. Here's the fast that I delight in. This is what I want from you if you fast. But when you read verses 6 on, there's nothing about giving up food, right? There's nothing about giving up water or food, anything like that, it has everything to do with justice. It has everything, both communally, societal way, and also personally. That's chapter, verses 6 and 7. So G God says, here's the fast that I want from you. 
you would think I would say, I want you to fast these things, or I want you to fast longer, or I want, to, I want you to give up these things. That's not what God says. Here's a fast that I want from you. He says, treat others, especially those who are weak, the naked, the poor. Treat them well. Love them. That's how you know if your religion is genuine. And, you know, I think God, God could have said, here's worship that, that I want from you. Here's prayer that I want from you. Here's your going to church that I want from you. I think he's just talking about fasting here because that's the context. But any religious activity, how do you know if they're genuine? Well, you know if they're genuine because if the horizontal uh, relationships are, are beautiful, are right. Um, First, uh, Matthew chapter 25. Uh, this is a, a passage that's scary because this is where Jesus is talking about the final judgment. And Matthew chapter 25, he comes and he says, I'm going to divide people into two groups, right? Goats and sheep, or sheep and goats. And he says, the sheep will enter into my rest, eternal rest, eternal celebration with me. The goats will be eternally punished. And then he talks about the sheep. Here's why you're invited in. And then he talks about the goats. Here's why you're not invited in. And so let me just read that portion, uh, Matthew 25, verse 41. It says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will ask, uh, answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then Jesus will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Here's what Jesus is saying, right? Jesus is saying loving him is so deeply connected to loving the weak that if we haven't loved the hungry, if you haven't loved the stranger, if you haven't loved the naked or the sick, you really haven't loved God. Let that sink, sink, allow that to kind of sink in a little bit. This is what Jesus is saying. He, he says, I am so deeply connected to the poor that if you haven't loved the naked, the stranger, the hungry, then you haven't really loved me. And so, again, I was just thinking about myself as I was thinking about this. Like, how do I know if my faith is genuine and there is real worship that God delights in? Well, you have to look at my horizontal relationships and how I am giving and serving and loving the weak. So that's number two. But there's a third reason uh, why, why God is so upset here. And it's that three, uh, they separated their personal well-being from communal flourishment. So let's pick up at verse 6 and we'll just read to verse 12. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is, is, is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked, to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? 
Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst and pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your right light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide, your, guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorching places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose water do not fa- fail. And your ancient ruins shall be built, rebuilt. And you shall raise up the foundations of, your, of many generations. You shall be called the repairs of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. So we'll pause there. It's awfully hard to, I think what's happening here is oftentimes the Israel, Israelites here and us too, we are so entrenched with like our needs, right? Like, God bless me. God, flourish like my life. Lead me. What God here is saying is your flourish, your individual flourishment, your individual well-being is connected to the communal flourishing. When you read this passage, you cannot separate those two. God, God, uh, God here says, it's when you pour out yourself to the poor, um, you will, you'll flourish. It's when you, when you give yourself away, uh, your, your gloom, your, your depression, your darkness will turn into noonday. Your well-being is connected to the communal well-being. And paradoxically, I mean, God says it's when you, again, pull yourself out to the poor, you will flourish. When you satisfy the desires of the afflicted, your gloom will turn into noonday. Your gloom will turn into joy. Community flourishment is tied to your personal flourishment. This concept of universal communal flourishment is called shalom in the Old Testament. When we we look at Genesis chapter 1 and 2, this is what God was after. God created the universe and he blessed it, right? And when you look at Revelation, this is what God will ultimately accomplish. Like, there will be shalom. Everything will be put together. When we think about peace, we're thinking, it's not, we think about peace like personally and where there's no conflict. When the Bible talks about shalom, peace, it's, it's talking about fullness, completeness, wholeness, without any broken pieces, without any fracture. And that's what the whole world is going towards. When Jesus comes back, there will be shalom. There will be new, new Jerusalem, new heavens and earth. It will be complete. It will be whole. And that's where the whole story is going towards. And here, as God's people, our call then is, obviously we can't, we can't because of sin, we talked about this so much in this past, past sermon series, we can't fix everything, right? But we are called to live a certain way that we bless others in light of what God will ultimately accomplish. Our personal success, if you're a Christian, is tied to communal success. We want to bless others. And that's when, um, in Jeremiah chapter 29, that's what God says to the people in exile. When people in exile are saying, God, we don't want to be in Babylon. We want to isolate ourselves and make sure that we're doing well. But God says, no. You're the, when, when Babylon prospers, you will prosper. And he says, pray for Babylon. And so that's our, that's our um, call. 
especially during this Lent season, as we think about Jesus' coming, second coming, his shalom, fullness, completeness, when there will be no tears, when blessings will flow, um, the curse will be pushed back, everything will be restored. When that, when that happens, we will fully experience not only personal joy, but the whole universe will be made right. And that's what we're going after. And so uh, during this season, we want to uh, be part of that. This is uh, a theologian named Neil Plantinga. He says this, in the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness and delight in which state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts and fruitful are fruitfully employed all under the arc of God's love. And he says, shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. Shalom is where, a way, uh, way the things ought to be. All right, that's this passage. It's a hard, hard chapter. But prophet God says this is important, and he tells prophet Isaiah to speak to God's people during that time. So how do we apply this? So I was thinking about this, and you know, when we hear passages like this, I think we, like three emotions come up. One, we feel guilty. Oh, man, I didn't do enough. I'm not doing enough. Second, some of us might feel over, like, overwhelmed because oh, there's, there's so much need out there. Like, how do we, where do we start? Uh, and the third, you know, response might be, like, today it might be like, oh, I feel convicted or oh, I want to respond. But Monday happens and things get busy and it's just, you know, we need to go shopping and gifts and we just forget about this. And so our church leaders, we, you know, we just said, hey, during this Advent, let's just make, just give simple applications. And so um, today, this Sunday, how we want to apply this is we have three, uh, I'm going to mention three local partners that we are partners with, and there are some opportunities for you to just take steps. Again, you know, there are so much needs, um, need out there, and you know, we can't, we can't do everything, but here as Great Commission Community Church at Tyson's area, maybe these things are things that we can do together. And so uh, one is Casa Chihuahua. There are partners that we've been partnering with for about 10 years. And, um, and uh, yeah, they serve the immigrant population, uh, the Latino families, about 100 families in Alexandria. And so uh, our, our Arlington side actually will help them with their Christmas party that's happening, uh, I think, in about a week. You could sign up for that if you want to, but you could be in prayer uh, for that. You could always volunteer with them, whether that's, you know, um, weekly or just once in a while. But they're a partner that we pray with and we give towards. And so they are, there are some op opportunities for you to uh, volunteer with them if you like. Second, Bailey's Crossroad. Um, you know, when Jesus talks about strangers or the homeless, I think he's talking about aliens, people, immigrants. And so in our context, there are so many immigrants around us. And we talked about Bailey's Crossroad, where immigrants and refugees have arrived from Middle East, where they, where they have no concept of Christ, right? No gospel access. But they are here. They are neighbors in some sense. So we've been thinking and praying about this for a long time. We've, we've tried some things along the way. Uh, but now we have, we, we're calling Daniel and Grace our residents. Okay, they're residents. They'll be here for a season. And we've said, hey, go and live there and begin to pray and build friendships, relationships. And, and maybe God will lead us to have, have a gospel presence there. And so they're working on that. Um, the, 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 sort of the next step would be we're having this dinner 
for anyone who might be interested, uh, we're going to be there, pray and hear some stories and begin to seek God about future opportunities, um, you know, that, that we can be in this neighborhood loving the immigrants, strangers, the poor, uh, and see where, that, what God, where God takes us. So that's the second opportunity that you could do. The third opportunity is not really our partners, but um, Tyson's View Apartments, we raised, uh, thanks to you, m- many of you gave, I want to say about $8,000. That's a lot of money, and we were able to put together a significant gift, 100, 103 baskets. And we gave those to uh, Tyson's View Apartments, uh, what, two weeks ago about? And we were able to connect with them, see people who, who lived them, who lived there, and their immigrant population. Um, their uh, Section 8 housing, uh, government-assisted housing there, and many people who came were immigrants. Again, we, this is an opportunity for us to like, practice what Scripture tells us. Um, we don't have anything concrete things, but the, ma- the apartment management were so excited that we were there, and we hope to continue to build bridges and bless that community. And friends, you know, this is just, um, yeah, we want to, you know, I know, I guess, let me just say this and we'll close. And this is me too. You know, we're, we're so focused on, and we're, our prayer is often around, like, us, right? Like, God, um, lead me, and God, um, show me, like, what my next steps ought to be. And, um, I mean, these things are good prayers, and they're not bad prayers. But I think what we see in Scripture is our God's blessing for us is tied to God's blessing for people around us. And as we read already, our devotion to God cannot be separated from our love for people, especially those who are weak. It's amazing when we think about Christ, his birth, he was born into a poor family. I mean, the son of God, I mean, the, the king of the universe, he didn't have to do that, but he experienced all the, all the things that Isaiah 58 talks about. He experienced nakedness. He experienced homelessness. He experienced poverty. He was an alien. He was a stranger. And he experienced all of these things. He identifies with the poor. And that's why in Matthew chapter 25 when Jesus says, if you didn't take care of these these weak, these these people, then then you haven't really loved me because Christ is deeply connected to the people who are marginalized and people who are suffering. And friends, that's the good news. When we suffer, when we... You know, even though we have uh, things, resources, we will suffer. I mean, suffering, sufferings will come to all of us. Christ identifies with us. Christianity, as far as I know, is the only religion that says God became a man, not just an ordinary man, but a poor man, and he died a shameful death. death. That's, our, that's our religion. That's our faith. And we want to be like him and walk in his shoes, especially during this Advent season. And so uh, I'm going to, we'll see a quick video, like a minute, I think it's a minute long, uh, from Adriana, who is the leader of CASA. And then we'll pray together corporately, and then we'll sing songs and take communion. Hello friends at Great Commission Community Church. We hope that you are doing well. We hope that you enjoyed your Thanksgiving. We wanted to send an update of what 
Casa's been up to, I wanted to share uh, specifically a story to you all of um, just like the work that you are a part of through your support, through your prayers. So one of our high school students who just graduated in June, um, he is now at Nova Community College and he got there through some bumps. Originally, he thought he was not going to have enough through financial aid, but through the relationships of our staff, through the support that he received and prayers, he went and advocated for himself and now he is the first in his family to attend college and he is flourishing. I talked to him earlier, he's uh, studying IT. He hopes to work in that industry, which I'm really excited for him. Uh, and so we're featuring his story in our end of year campaign. And that's the prayer that I would love for you all to pray with us, that we would end the year strong financially um, and that we would pray for the community. Um, you know, winter is, is hard, you know, jobs decrease, any jobs that are, ex uh, you know, outdoors, they decrease. So I appreciate prayers for our community that the Lord will continue to provide for families and that it would be a joyous, uh, a joyous season for us as we celebrate Christ's birth uh, and also celebrate the beauty that God is doing through families uh, like Jefferson's and the families that we get to partner with. So thank you for being a part of this mission and we send you blessings and thank you for praying for us and God bless. Bye. Hello, friends. We're going to pray now corporately um, for Casa and Bailey's Crossroad and Tyson's View Apartments, um, places where immigrants and strangers live in this region near us. So let's pray for Casa. Um, you can pray for recent immigrants who are here and are missing their homes and are experiencing hardships right now um, and just being in a new country. Um, you can also pray for CASA's ministry, their volunteers, their staff, um, including um, Adriana and Kate. So let's pray now. Let's also pray together uh, for the relationships we're envisioning our church having with the Middle Eastern immigrants in the Bailey's Crossroads area. Um, like Pastor Jonathan mentioned earlier, uh, we're having an interest uh, meeting, information meeting next Sunday, led by Grace and Daniel Dees, our ministry residents. So please pray for that.
Lastly, let's pray for the Tyson's View Apartments. Um, as it was mentioned, we were able to provide um, about 100 Thanksgiving gift bags a few weeks ago. Uh, let's pray that the many immigrants in those apartments um, would come to know the hope that they can find in Christ during this Advent season. Please join me as I uh, close our prayer time. Father, we just, um, we thank you for the good work, Lord, that you have started, Lord. Um, we know that you are moving, you are working, um, because your heart is for the lost, Lord. Your heart is for um, the lonely, Lord. Your heart is for the broken, Lord. Um, and we thank you, Lord, that you, you bring light into the darkest areas, oh, Lord. And, and we lift up um, Casa. We lift up um, Bailey's Crossroad area. We lift up, oh, Lord, the people in Tyson's View Apartments, oh, Lord, that, um, that they may experience new life in you, oh, Lord. Um, and God, as a church, uh, we humble ourselves before you, um, desiring you to reshape our hearts, Lord, reshape our minds in, in knowing how we are supposed to love, Lord, love one another through the love that you have given us, Lord, through Christ. And so, Lord, we pray um, that our hearts would be open and humble and um, desire um, for your spirit to work through us. And um, may we um, be your hands and feet. May we be the light that you have called us to be, Lord. We praise you for you are a gracious and loving and compassionate Father. And you are for us, Lord. And you have overcome, Lord, all darkness already. You have overcome it. And you have brought victory, Lord, into our lives and into this world through the birth of your Son, Jesus May we claim that, Lord. May we affirm in each other what has already been done through Christ. Oh, Lord, that we may claim victory in you. We, we praise you. We love you. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're going to respond and uh, take communion and sing some songs. I think this is what I want to say. And this is really important because I think as we're hearing sermons like this, um, it could feel, this is what some of us could think. It's kind of like, well, if you look at Isaiah 58 passage, you know, people were uh, seeking God. You know, they're reading uh, God's word. They're even fasting, but, they, but these didn't really please God. And so what we don't want to do is add another component, right? We need to read scripture, attend church, be passionate about these things, and then also serve so that we could be, we could be um, acceptable, acceptable to God. 
Um, if you continue with that Isaiah 58 passage, the last section is about Sabbath. And I think this is why it's included there. And I could be wrong, but um, it's supposed to be like these things that we're supposed to do, they ought to be done out of delight in God. Right? So these things, whether it's going to church and worship and play, reading scripture, serving the poor, all those things are good things that God calls his people to do. But the motivation is important, isn't it? And how do we get motivated and serve others and love others with hearts that are like joyful, filled with joy? It's when we can find our rest in Christ. Um, it's when we come to the table and remember that we were strangers once, but God invited us in. It's remember uh, spiritual, we were completely naked, but God clothes us. Read, remember Genesis chapter 3. God invited us in. Our life is all about grace. And so it's out of that we say, God, <laughs> I want to worship you. I want to seek you daily. I want to fast for a long time and, and remove all of these things. And I want to serve the poor because you are in them. Is done out of this joy and delight. But it happens when we come to the table, when we, when we rest in God and who He is and what He has accomplished for us. So let's end in that way. So let's stand together. Um, let me do the communion. We'll sing some songs. Uh, we'll have some leaders up here. If you want to receive prayer, please come up and receive prayer as well. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He took bread and He said, This is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Drink from it for the remission of your sins. Let's, let's worship, come to the table. Let's remember God's amazing love for us. So deserve your glory. 
once more, joy to the world, the Lord has come. come. 